sing his praise. Would you join and sing with me?
God, you're good. And we can sing that phrase, arise as Christ was raised to life. We praise your name. We, we gather here and sing your praise because of it. God, we love you. And we thank you for that. And everybody said, amen. amen. So guys, I just want to take a second and uh, thank you guys for um, your prayers and your gifts and your visits and all that. Um, about just close to three weeks ago, we welcomed our baby, Lena. Um, so we stayed in. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Um, so we stayed in the NICU for about a week. She was uh, five weeks early. And um, she's great now. Um, she had some complications. And for a moment, we know that the Lord heals and we believe that, but um, we weren't sure if it was going to be here on earth or in heaven. And so um, we are so thankful that she's healthy and that she's here safe. And so thank you guys again for your, for your prayers. Um, would you just sing um, the truth of this song with me, um, that the Lord is good and he's our savior, he's our healer, he's our strength. So would you sing with me?
God, we, uh, we just approach you and know that you are the God that is quick to forgive, that is slow to anger, that is loving, that is just. And we just proclaim, God, that as we are looking for unfailing love, we're looking for a love that doesn't end, and we can only find that love in you. And so, God, we know that we face, we face every day, and these are, these are wars, and we face weapons that are, are not physical, they're spiritual. And God, just even watching the news and, and hearing things that just break our hearts or sitting in relationships and hearing about things that are going on in people's lives or in our own lives and it breaks our own heart. God, we, uh, we just, we need something consistent. We need one to cling to. And so Jesus, we cling to you. We, we proclaim the truth of knowing that we've been set free because of what you did on the cross and that you give us life and purpose only found in you. And so, God, we, as we continue on this morning, we say, God, you are good. We cling to that. We rest in that. And we stand in your love right now. We stand in the love that is in Jesus Christ alone. We love you. We thank you for loving us, for chasing us down, for pursuing us. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. What's up, church? Good morning. One thing, one thing I want to say is as you greet those around you, I've heard there might be snow this week, and I want you to make a forecast. How much snow are we going to get this week? Tell the person around you. Zero to 85 inches. That uh, I know that for me, that I'm sure I'm so I want to just tell you all I don't know if you know this, but people, you survived the snowmageddon of 2019. You deserve a hand, you survived. I know we all got our snow measuring sticks out, and then you know, I don't even think it brushed the bottom of the the stick but anyway no it was a it was a good time last weekend and and we were just uh, privileged to to just continue to do things but one of the things I think is so cool is we had 130 people gathered online last week and 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 so what I love is that walls don't contain the body of Christ amen it's all over the place and so sometimes I think it's those it's those those uh breaks in the craziness of our church rhythm that remind us of what's really important. And so I'm just excited about what God's going to do this morning. And I want to ask uh, just one thing, and then I have uh, Pastor Eric is going to share something cool the student ministry has been doing. But one, if you'd pass the friendship folders down the aisle, we appreciate that. And if you're new, I just want to say, I, I know there's some new people here. Guys, what a privilege it is to have you join us this morning as we worship the Lord. And so I want to ask that if you would grab a, a red card in front of you and fill that out and bring it to the welcome center, or you can put in the offering plate. It's just a way that we just say, wow, someone new came or someone was checking us out and we pray for you and whatever your story is. Um, but if you go to the welcome center, they have something free to give you. Not often can you find things for free that don't have strings attached. So they just probably want to know who you are and hear your story. That's about it. Um, but we're excited about this morning to continue on in our series, Nehemiah. And so, um, I want Pastor Eric to talk a little bit about what the student ministry did yesterday. They did something really cool, and I think as a church, it'd be, it's good to know what's going on. Well, yesterday, uh, which was a Saturday. Now, 
Saturday is the day where people typically will, uh, they'll, they'll want to get things done or they'll want to rest. Um, but yesterday we had, we had 18 uh, students and leaders take time out of their Saturday uh, to go to the Washington City Mission and serve. You know, Jesus tells us in scripture that he didn't come uh, to, to, uh, to be served, but to serve. And, and yesterday it was so amazing to watch these students step out of the comfort zone and to, to love on some people that needed to see some Jesus. And to watch them go and take time out of their Saturday to put on the aprons, to serve food, to take orders, uh, to, uh, to bring them drinks, to spray whipped cream on their pie with a smile on their face, doing it because of what God has done for them and because they can't keep it inside. It's amazing what God is doing. I'm, I'm so proud of, of what's happening in our ministry. I'm proud of the students that went. I'm thankful for the leaders that went. Um, guys, be praying for what is happening in our church with our fifth through 12th graders. It is something special and I'm, I'm honored to be a part of it. Thanks, man. I love it. It starts when they're young. We'll keep it going. So uh, guys, we're excited. Ask the ushers to come forward this morning as we receive the offering. And just, just one more thing I want to mention is uh, if you go on our website, this series is all up to date. It's available on our website, the Nehemiah series, as well as um, you can find series that go all the way in the, uh, for a while, actually. So if you're looking for something on there, uh, you can view uh, this last three weeks of the series as well as anything beyond that. And so we can just thank our video team for making that happen and just thank the teams behind the scenes that no one hears about, but they're making that available to us. And so uh, I know that we have people online, and so we want to say thank you for joining us online, and we're excited about what God's going to do this morning. Let's, let's go before the Lord in prayer. Jesus, we love you, and we're thankful for our church family gathered here, gathered online, uh, and those who um, aren't, aren't, aren't with us this morning, God, but are praying for us, and those who are wishing they could be here. And, and so, God, we just thank you so much for Crossroads. We thank you for this church, for the vision, for the ministry that you allow us to do here. Nothing we do here is by human hands or human effort alone, God. We know that it is, it is supernatural, that it is, it is you who have given us the privilege to do what we do. And so, God, we just create this moment to just say thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity to, to call this place home and to, to reach into our communities, to do what we do every single day, and to, to call this church our family. And so, God, we love you, and we praise you. And as we receive this offering, I pray that, uh, God, that um, just that we would recognize that the monies that go into this offering are, are going to see lives changed by Jesus Christ. And so we pray that your kingdom would be widened and we pray that we would just feel a little bit bigger knowing that we're a part of your mission here on earth. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for loving us in your name. Amen.
Nehemiah, we're building, rebuilding the wall around Jerusalem. We were in a study of Nehemiah, and uh, somebody asked me, my daughter asked me last week when we got home, she goes, Dad, did you, have you watched the news at all lately? Do you know they're talking about building some wall? <laughs> somebody asked me, was his slogan, make Jerusalem great again? I said, that is not what we're talking about, folks, all right? Can we just thank God that's not what we're talking about? Thank you, Lord, all right? We, we have a greater purpose than all of that. Our purpose is how to build your life and how to build the kingdom of God, what God has called us to do. And so this morning, uh, I, I want to just to recap a little bit. We had Nehemiah was a cupbearer. And uh, as Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the king, he's, he is a thousand miles away from his homeland. He's been in exile. The nation of Israel was uh, uh, in exile. Uh, they had sent like 50,000 people back to try and rebuild the walls around the city so that they could have protection. Uh, and, and listen, when you're, when you're thinking about what's happening in Nehemiah, remember that in, in the Old Testament, God worked with the nation of Israel. It was a relationship between God and Israel. And so when you're talking about Jerusalem, Jerusalem was the center. That was the center of God's work and God's purposes. So every time you're, you're reading in the Old Testament about the center of God's work, the center of God's purposes, uh, you see Jerusalem, you see the nation of Israel. Uh, today, we're living under the age of grace. We're not under the age of law. We're not, God is not working just with the nation of Israel. Today, he works with you. And we have direct access to the throne of God, for which I'm so thrilled that, that we have that. But just to set that up a little bit. So here, here was the, the, the city was in ruins. The walls were, were torn down. It was, a, it was in terrible condition. The, the, the temple, people weren't worshiping. It was not in a healthy state as far as the spirituality of the people. The people were not coming back to God at this point. And, uh, and so Nehemiah's heart was much more than just to see the walls around the city because this was symbolic to us of the people coming back to God. And so he's trying, and God has broken his heart for the people to return to God. Last week, we went through Nehemiah chapter 3. Most scholars will, uh, you know, if you read people that, uh, that write books about Nehemiah, they'll just kind of skip over chapter 3 because it's just a long list. And you see all these people that did work. But last week, we took it, and uh, if you missed it, go online and grab it. And I certainly understand last week it was crazy. It was ice everywhere. But uh, how exciting to, to see that many people logged online were able to watch it. You can go online and grab it. But we, we looked at all the people that were helpers. And so Nehemiah recruits a team, and his team doesn't look like the people that you would recruit to build a wall. One guy was a jeweler. One guy made perfume. Another guy was a politician. He even got all the priests involved. People who normally don't work with their hands and do this heavy lifting type of labor, he recruited them all. And uh, bricklayers as well. So he, he had everybody working together. And really, I see a picture of the church in there. That's what the church is. The church is not about who's qualified. It's not about who has a gift, who has a talent. It's about, hey, we are a family, and we get involved. We all come together, and we work together. We put our hands together, and we say, God, here's our feet, here's our hands, here's my mouth. Use us for your kingdom purposes. So last week, we looked at that. We looked, uh, you can look through uh, chapter 3, and you'll find uh, a leadership principle of delegation. He, you know, there's delegation and then there's abdication. Abdication says I hand out a list of, uh, of things that need to get done. Delegation says, man, 
I'm giving you an air of responsibility. And let, let's really take this and, and let's value it. And so what he did was he recruited a team and he gave them an area of responsibility and they excelled. And as a matter of fact, we find that this wall that couldn't have been built, the, the people that came back to try to rebuild it, it took them half a century, but now he comes back and he rebuilds it in 52 days. And what is kind of wild is if you go back to Nehemiah chapter one, you'll see that he spent four months in prayer. Four months in prayer took 52 days to rebuild the wall. Nehemiah had no clue it would only be 52 days. But how interesting is it that he spends double the amount of time in prayer and fasting that it did for the work? Folks, there's a message there. Our real work is in prayer. Our our real work is coming to God and seeking him and relying on him and watching him build his kingdom. And God will use us. We just don't sit around and say, okay, God, build the wall. So so they went out and they put their hands to it. And in 52 days, they did it. And uh, and last week, we looked uh, also not only at the delegation that was handed out, not only were the people not skilled at this, uh, but also we saw that there was uh, different gates that they were rebuilding. And one of the gates that they rebuilt built was, it was called the dung gate. And the dung gate was just, it's just a, an area where you would take out the trash and you would see all the trash was taken out and, and, uh, and it was smelly and it was stinky and it was nasty because that's where the dung went. That's where all the, the, the refuse, all the garbage would go. So you would go to the dung gate. And so this morning, I want to just remind you about the dung gate because it's hard work. It really is. You know, when, when God's called you to do something, it's hard work. It's not like, hey, this is all going to be easy. This is all going to be wonderful. Somebody, you know, recruits you to help out in church and, you know, hey, would you come and help out in the kids' land, all right? Come and, come and, te- come and teach down the Canopy Kids. They always tell you the glamorous part. Oh, look at the kids. You're going to love them. They're going to love you. And, uh, and it's just this wonderful environment that, that it's going to be. And then you get down there, and you're teaching about Joseph, right? And they put Joseph in a pit, and all of a sudden, there's four kids that are coming to take you into a pit that day, right? It's like, they're, they're going to take you down. Uh, or, you know, like I, I heard, uh, uh, you know, every now and then, there'll be a kid will throw up down there, you know? Those are really fun days to serve the Lord. I'll just tell you that. You know, and everybody's scrambling and kids are ooing and every it's it's so traumatic, right? But listen, this is what happens. We're called to go do something. You're called to help out in the youth department, called to help out on the parking lot. It's 12 degrees outside, right? You, God has given you something to do. And and what I want to start with today is understanding this: that when God lays something on your heart, that it is going to be hard work. If it were not hard, if there were not any resistance, it would not be worth doing. Everything good that happens in your life has a resistance and has a hard, something hard to it. I'll never forget as a youth pastor working with different teenagers through the years. And one, one teenager in particular, I remember coming to his defense before his father. His father was about ready to wring his neck. Um, he, he, was, uh, he was getting a suspension from the, the local high school where he went to school. And I'll never forget because I sat down with the kid and found out what happened. And I was like, you know, he just, he, he's just a normal boy, except he got caught. And so, uh, he, you know, he, he was just, be, just being a teenage boy. And, and he was up to mischief. And, uh, 
And I remember sitting down with the dad, and the dad was losing his mind. I mean, this dad was fuming. This was like 20 years ago. He is fuming. He's like, my son just can't act this way. He can't do that. And I remember I stood before the dad. I said, now listen, your son is going to go out and do something great for God one day. And the dad looked at me like, you're crazy. You're insane. And I said, your son is going to do something great for God. And I remember I left that meeting. I was like, God, please, let him do something good for you. Please, okay? You know what that guy did? That young man, he got expelled three days. And during that three days, he did a lot of painting around the church. It was really wonderful. So if you ever get expelled from school, we have a lot of work for you to do up here, all right? So uh, he went out, and he, he did that. And I'll never forget, he left, he graduated, he went on, he, he became a school teacher, and, and now he's out, he's helping teenagers everywhere, and he's also a youth pastor, and he's, he's helping kids, he's, fo- he's helping them follow Jesus. And I'll never forget, because that day, I sat there and I said, this was a hard day of youth ministry. That was a day I would rather not be youth pastor. <laughs> that was a day his dad would rather not be a parent. That was a day that, that you're like, you know, you're humiliated. This is painful. This is hurt. All their family things. And, and here, if, if God is going to do something good, remember there will be resistance. And so today, we're going to look today at some of the resistance. Because Nehemiah, he's about at the halfway point. And you know what? I have found that when you start, it's always exciting when you start. You know when the problem comes? is right about halfway. Right about, you know, you just, you've been at it a month or two. You've been at it for six months. And all of a sudden, man, the attack of Satan comes and boom, and he gets you. So let's look here this morning at, uh, at Nehemiah chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Sanballat was very angry when he learned that they were rebuilding the wall. He flew into a rage and he mocked the Jews. Saying in front of his friends and the Sumerian army officers, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think that they are doing? Do they think that they can build the wall in a single day just by offering a few sacrifices? Do they actually think that they can make something of stones from a, from a, from a rubbish heap and, and charred ones at that? Verse 3, Tobiah the Ammonite, who was standing beside him, remarked, that stone would... Would, uh, that stone wall would collapse if even a fox walked along the top of it. How do you deal with that? He's getting mocked. He's, the, the, the discouragement is coming from the outside. It's not his own team. It's people on the outside of his team. They're starting to launch attacks. Then I prayed, verse 4, then I prayed, hear us, O God, for we are being mocked. May their scoffing fall back on their heads, and may, their, may they themselves become captives in a foreign land. Do not ignore their guilt. Do not blot out their sins, for they have provoked you to anger here in front of their builders. At last the wall was completed to half its height around the entire city, for the people had worked with enthusiasm. For a hundred years, we had come now. They had come, and they had become accustomed to, to the brokenness. They become accustomed to people aren't worshiping. They become accustomed to just the way the status quo is. And now they're coming back, and there's a rebuilding that starts to happen. And as you move forward, you are going to find out that there is resistance. You will face resistance. 
And, uh, you, know, you know, the example, you look at the example that all through Scripture, you see that there's resistance anytime there's something good that happens. And I want you to look at your life this morning. I want you to think of anything good that happens in your life. There is some sort of resistance to it. Uh, we, I, I liken it to fish that are swimming upstream. We're going against the current. And, uh, and I want you to, to understand that, that God is, uh, God is still at work whenever there is opposition. And if you are going to do something good, there will be opposition. I don't care what it is. It could be an exercise. You started a health plan, there will be opposition to it. Uh, you know how I know that? Because I was reading about Planet Fitness. Um, the, I heard about a facility that, was, that could handle about 300 people at once. And I read somewhere that that, that, that particular facility had sold 6,000 memberships. You know why they sold 6,000 memberships? Because most people don't go back after two, three months, right? And that's, that's exactly what happens. And they're just like, ka-ching, ka-ching, automatic withdrawal. We got you, Right? And so here's what I want you to catch this this morning, is that we have an enemy that will attempt to discourage you. Your enemy will attempt to discourage you. And so as you are looking and you're going upstream, I don't care if it's your health, if it's your family, if it's serving in the church, if it's helping in the community, you want to feed poor people, you want to feed homeless people, you want to do all these things that God has laid on your heart. When God gives us a burden, it's going to break your heart. And Nehemiah spends four months praying. He's weeping, and God is breaking his heart, and he is now facing resistance from the outside. Uh, Our enemy will plan to discourage you. He will attempt to discourage you. So we have to understand that you will be discouraged. You have to understand that opposition is coming. If you are, listen, if God has set a new direction in your life, you better expect it. Because at one point, you were not walking with God. Now you're trying to walk with God. And there's an area of your life that you're trying to surrender to God right now. And you say, okay, God, this is a new area. I'm going to surrender this area of my life to you. And as you come to that surrender, man, it is a war. It is a war. It's back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Because there's resistance. And what I want to tip you into is a a thing called spiritual battle. There is a spiritual battle. Now, in Nehemiah chapter 4, the book of Nehemiah, we don't see Satan's name mentioned here, but you can see how he is working. Remember, we said that Jerusalem was the center of God, and if you opposed it, you were, you were opposing God's purposes. So as Nehemiah is, is trying to move forward, the opposition is, uh, is, is really coming at him, and I want you to understand that's how Satan works. Satan comes, and he is trying to trip you up. 1 Peter 5.8. Now look at this. This is how Satan works. We're encouraged. He says, be sober, be vigilant, Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Uh, You know, this this verse here doesn't portray Satan as little red horns, little pitchfork, right? He says he is your adversary. He says, be diligent, be sober, be diligent, man. Work hard at your spiritual life here and pay attention because your adversary... Your enemy, he is opposing, he, had, he, he is on the opposite side of everything going good in your life. 
He said, he, here's what the apostle tells us here. He says that your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion. Did you ever see a, a, a lion destroy? I was going to show a video. I didn't think you'd like that. You know, here's a lion ripping this apart. Lions look really nice at the zoo, don't they? Take your kids. Oh, look at the lion. Then you hear the lion send a little roar. But then when you watch a lion eat, ooh, man, you're like, glad I'm on this side of the fence, right? Because a lion will rip you to shreds. A lion can be vicious. And he says, that's what, that's what Satan is like. Looks so good. But he is like a roaring lion. And look, it doesn't say, he's going to bite you. <laughs> he's going to trip you, make you feel uncomfortable. He says he's going to devour you. He is going to devour. That is our opposition. So here was Nehemiah. He's building the wall. He's got opposition from Sambalat, Tobiah, and it starts out here. And I want you to understand that this is how Satan works. Satan was known several ways through the scripture. In Job chapter 1, he's called Satan. He is an adversary of God and his people. Uh, if you go over to Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12, you'll find that his name is Lucifer. And this is refers, refers to his aura of light. In other words, he's very deceptive. Um, he's known as the ruler of this world. John chapter 12, verse 31. Uh, John says he's the ruler of this world. In other words, he's limited in his sphere of authority. Uh, only over fallen mankind. So, you know, that, that's why you have temptation. That's why it's so hard everything that you do that is good. Uh, the, the enemy... He's known as the enemy, Matthew 13, 39. I, that's my favorite name that I love to call Satan. He's your enemy. That's why I put in your notes this morning. Your enemy will come against you. If you every time you're doing something good, the enemy will discourage you. The, he's the angel of light, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He disguises himself as an angel of light. So do his workers. It, it always looks so good. He, you don't see the little guy with the red horns and, and the pitchfork. You see the guy who looks good. Yeah, take it, follow me. He's known as the father of lies over in John eight forty four. He's the father of lies. You know, that is a name that indicates that he is the source and the originator of lying. You ever tell a lie? Satan's the father of them. It's like all, all, all lies, uh, Satan is the father of lies. He makes you think, you know, he makes you think that when you tell a lie, it makes, makes you think when you tell a lie. That's what I'm saying. It makes you think when you tell a lie. You think twice about it. And, uh, and you know, even to cover your own tracks. That's what most people lie about. You, you lie to cover your own tracks, make yourself look good, make yourself feel better about a situation, right? That's typically when we lie. The father of lies. You know what Satan does? He comes to us and he lies to you all the time. He tells you that you are no good. He tells you that your work can't succeed. He tells you that you have failed before you're going to fail again. He, he tells you this truth. And what happens is we believe the father of lies. We start listening and hear, hear all these lies. How does he operate? He wants to devour. He's sneakily good. But I want to remind you that it's sneakily good and, and how he likes to devour. He knows your weak spot. He comes at you at your weak spot, and he comes at you. He knows he's pretty clever. Um, as much power as he has, he is not all-powerful. He is not all-present. He is not all-knowing. Satan is not under every rock. Can we hear an amen to that? 
All right? He is not under every rock. He has many helpers that help him, but he is not under every rock. He is opposing the good that is happening in your life. He is not all-knowing. This helps me so much because Satan does not know my thoughts. Only God knows my thoughts. Man, that fires me up because I've got enough problems with my thoughts. I don't need anybody else knowing my thoughts. And Satan doesn't know them either. So I can move forward in the power of Christ because God is all-knowing. And God knows my thoughts and still loves me. Satan doesn't know my thoughts and he attacks me and says that you're no good. Says that you can't move forward. And because you failed, that you can't do what God has called you to do. Um, What he intends for evil. What Satan intends for evil, God turns around for good. Now catch that because Satan is constantly constantly launching evil at us. And so when he intends something for evil, God says, I'm so much more powerful, I'm going to turn it around for good. He'll be locked up in the lake of fire. Satan knows his end. Go read the book of Revelation. I love talking about Revelation. One day we'll do a series on Revelation. Uh, You see the end. What is going to happen at the end? Satan will be cast into the lake of fire. And we will be free. There will be no more of that, the presence of, uh, of that evil anymore. He'll be, he'll be cast into the lake of fire. And, uh, and God will be the victor. You know, when Jesus died on the cross, he followed through with his promise. Back in, uh, all the way back to Genesis 3, he said that he would crush the, heel, the head of the serpent and that the serpent would bite the hill. Well, when Jesus died on the cross, he crushed the serpent, the tempter. And yet, he bit the hill. And so Satan, can you imagine? Jesus is in the grave and Satan's saying, yep, I did it. I did it. I did it. And then Easter Sunday, what? No. No. And you could just hear him shuddering because God is alive. And he knows his fate is sealed, folks. His power is limited. So here's the thing. When you're talking about Satan, I want you to understand this. He is limited. He is not more powerful than he who is in us. Look at what uh, the scripture says over here in John, 1 John 4, 4. He says, you are from God, little children. You have overcome them because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. With the moment that you trust Christ as your savior, if you've opened your heart and you have accepted Christ, the scripture says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If you have trusted Christ as your personal Savior, the moment you did that, the Holy Spirit stepped inside of you. He is, you, you have him, 100%. He, he is in you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Our life now is about giving him more and more control. And here's what he says. Greater is he, the Holy Spirit, who lives within you than he who is in the world. So, folks, I don't have to be afraid of Satan. He's powerful, but God is more powerful. Our God has conquered death. Jesus rose from the grave. And as you're looking at the things in your life, uh, what we have to do is we have to come and put on the whole armor of God. Over in Ephesians 6, it says to put on the whole armor of God. Start with the helmet of salvation. Why? Because we get attacked on our mind. Most people, now listen, most people, the greatest attack is in your mind. There's a war going on because the enemy wants you to believe a lie. The enemy wants you to say, I am no good. I am defeated. This is what was happening. One of the tactics of the enemy is to mock you. This is how he works. He comes and he mocks you. One of the enemy's tactics is to mock you. 
Um, and that's the second point to fill in the blanks in your notes if you're taking notes. Uh, he comes along and he, want, he wants to mock you. He, he, just, he just wants to trip you up. Why? Because, you know, when you hear something bad, you start to believe a lie, it's debilitating. Absolutely debilitating. You start to believe something that you're not. Now, you, if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, you are a child of God. He is, he is your father, you are his son, you are his daughter, and you have all the rights that come with being the child of God. Uh, his tactic is to mock you. Look at Nehemiah 4.2. Um, here's what Sam Ballot said in front, of the, in front of all these people. He says, what does, the bunch, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they are doing? In other words, he says, who do they think they are? Uh, he, was, he was questioning their strength. He came at them and he said, they're not strong. Look, these feeble, these weak Jews, who do they think they are? You know, this was nothing new. If you read in the book, you go back in the Old Testament, you read about Goliath and David. Goliath came and they, they taunted and said, oh, you weak little Israelites. And Goliath was this nine-foot giant. And all the Israelites said, oh, he's too big. We could never kill him. And one day... David comes, just a little teenage boy, a little slingshot, and he goes, ah, he's too big a target to miss. And he swings and he throws a stone and he takes him down. It was through the power of God. Uh, Listen, if you're going to believe defeat, you're believing the lie of the enemy. There, there, there are times that we struggle, times that we are defeated, but listen, most of it is when the Satan is coming after you and he's saying, hey, you're not really strong enough. How many times have you been attacked by that? How many times has it come to you that you said, I am not strong enough? Uh, how about this? The Satan comes after us with this, your feeble little prayer time. Take your feeble little prayer time, your little prayer meetings. Do you really think you're going to change your family by praying for them? Why are you wasting your time? See, that's an attack. Maybe you've told a friend. You ever tell a friend, I'll pray for you, and they're like, yeah, you keep doing that. Okay, that's happened to me many times. I'll tell somebody, I'm praying for you. They're like, okay, you do that. You do that. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do that because I believe that the God of heaven can change your life. And so, you know, I can go home after a statement like that. I can be defeated because I'm saying, man, I'm feeble in, my, in who I am. I'm feeble in my intellect. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm out of date. I'm out of touch. You can, you can have all those things that come at you. And that is not what, what we are to believe. We have to come believe the truth of who God is and what he has said in his word. Do we really know what we are doing? And so the Israelites, they're facing this. They're trying to build the wall. And, and here's Sam Ballant. He says, <laughs> these bunch of feeble Jews. Look, the next thing he says, he says, do they think they can build the wall in a single day by just offering a few sacrifices? They're coming and they're mocking his faith. Yeah, maybe you've been coming to church, you're following God, and you may have a friend or a relative that says, why are you wasting your time? Okay? Uh, and, and that's what happens. And so here's what happened here. They're, they're coming to him and says, oh, yeah. Yeah, they're going to offer sacrifices, and God's going to build the wall. Oh, yeah, you're going to pray the wall into existence. And so they're, they're going through, through that. And, uh, and the, their faith was being mocked. So as we go out, we live, we're, uh, you know, our, our strength is going to be mocked. Our faith is going to be mocked. Their organizational skills were mocked. Uh, do they think they can build the wall in one day? Can they really do this in one single day? You know, you got a game plan. Your game plan's not going to last. <laughs> and so we give it just a day. This isn't going to happen. 
and their ability was questioned. Uh, they actually, do they actually think that something of stones from a rubbish heap, charred ones at that, do they actually think that that could actually happen? They don't have the ability to do this. And remember, he's dealing with unqualified people. He's got the jewelers. He's got the politicians. He's got the perfume makers. None of these people are skilled at making a wall. And yet he does it in 52 days despite all the opposition. So the opposition comes at him. And, and look, here, look at this one here in Nehemiah 4 too. He says, do they actually think that they can make something of stones and rubbish from a heap of charred ones at that? He's saying, look, do, do, look there's not, they don't even have the right tools. They don't have anything that they need. Imagine our God Jesus at the cross when he was mocked. Imagine them coming to him. Here was the king of kings. And they're mocking him and they're spitting on him. They're saying, hail, king of the Jews. And they're, and, they're, and they're just mocking him upside down, one side down the other. And they're just mocking him. I mean, nailing him to a cross. He's being totally mocked. But yet Jesus was victorious. God's called us to, to look to what he has said. I like what Warren Wiersbe says. Warren Wiersbe says, some people who can stand bravely when they're shot at will collapse when they're laughed at. And I think that is so true. If somebody says something about you, doesn't it just drive you insane? I mean, that just kind of gets under your skin. You can have a good day, and then on your way out the door, somebody says, oh, you're an idiot. What do you believe all day long? You go home and you lose sleep. You had... Seven hours and 55 minutes of a good work day. And the last five, somebody goes, you're an idiot. And you go home and you've lost sleep. As a matter of fact, the next day you come back, you don't even perform well at work because you're thinking about that idiot who called you an idiot. All right? And it's all going on, right? And it's like you're just, you're just losing your mind over this. That's what happens to us. Uh, some people can stand bravely when they're shot at, will collapse when they are laughed at. Now remember, how does Satan attack us? What are the lies he launches at you? You don't have the skill to raise a godly family. That's an attack, isn't it? Uh, you don't have the strength to live for Christ. You'll, you won't be at this in a year from now. That's what Satan does. He speaks this truth. He's the father of lies. You don't have the intelligence to stand against those people, wise people of the world. Uh, you know, that, that probably hits me when I get around people that are brilliant Man, I'm, I'm thinking, do I know what I'm talking about today? Ooh, man, this guy could split atoms. You know, he's really smart. Somehow that I'm not, right? I've studied God's word for 35 years, and well, maybe he knows something that I don't because he's really smart in the science world. You know, if you ask me a question on the way out and I don't know the answer, I'll be honest with you and say, can I call you on Tuesday with the answer? Because I'm not a walking encyclopedia. And neither are you. And so when Satan comes after you and makes those attacks, listen, there's somebody really brilliant at your work that God has called you to minister to, and he wants you to love and care for them and to plant seeds of the gospel. God says he uses the simple to confound the wise. So go in and go in the power of the Lord. If we wait for, if we keep believing the lie of Satan, we'll never do what God's called us to do. Um, uh, how about this? Look, you failed. You'll never have victory. You're never going to overcome that habit. You've struggled with that habit for 10 years. You became a Christian 10 years ago. You thought that would leave you in the first month. You thought that would leave you in the second year, the third year, the fourth year. You're never going to get victory over that. You know what? That's a lie of Satan. 
That's a lie of Satan. And so what happens is when we get halfway, we start to listen to opposition. Now, um, Nehemiah, he defeats opposition here. We see three ways that he defeats opposition. Um, he, he prayed to the God of heaven. Look at this. He says, then I prayed, hear us, O God. Verse 4, then I prayed, hear us, O God, for we are being mocked. May their scoffing fall back on their own heads. May they themselves become captives in a foreign land. Do not ignore their guilt. Do not blot out their sins, for they have provoked you to anger here in front of the builders. Now, this is pretty powerful. I want to give you three ways that he responded to opposition. And, uh, and, and it's right from those verses there, okay? So if you're taking notes, three ways that, that he responded to opposition. A, he did not retaliate. He did not respond. He did not come out and say, well, Sam Ballot, let me tell you, we're going to build this wall, we're going to do it, and here's why we're going to build it, because I, I got all these jewelers over here that don't know how to build, they're going to build. Okay? He didn't come and give them, he didn't retaliate. Do you understand, folks, when you retaliate, you do not help the situation? As a matter of fact, when you retaliate to criticism, when you retaliate to opposition, when you retaliate you don't have to retaliate. Here's what happens. When you retaliate, not only are you hurting yourself, you're not building. What you're doing is you're building resentment. And the person who is filled with resentment cannot build. You cannot build your life. You can't, you can't serve. It affects all areas of your life. So, so we have to come, we have to realize that A, he did not retaliate. B, he prayed. He came before God and he prays. Hear us, O God, for we are being mocked. Uh, you know what? Many times we overlook that. Oh, yeah, he prayed. Somebody asked you to pray, and then you never prayed for him. Oh, that always hurts, doesn't it? Well, oh, would you pray for my kid? Yeah, I'll pray for you. Or on Facebook, I love that. Number one thing, we're praying. Are we? Are we going to the God of heaven? Because when we do, I don't have to retaliate, and I don't have to defend myself. I don't have to go out and say, look, I am okay. Trust me. I'm okay. I'm going to do this. I'm, I got this. I got this covered, right? I don't have to do that. I come before God, and I tell him what's going on. He wants us to pray about everything, including the opposition, including when people are mocking us. Um, Nehemiah was not surprised by the opposition, but he was hurt by it. And so understand that. That mockery, he knew it was coming. He knew he was going to have to face Sam Ballot and Tobiah. But it still hurt him whenever it happened. He prayed. He says, hear us, O God, for we are being mocked. May their scoffing fall back on their heads, and may they themselves become captives in a foreign land. Do not ignore their guilt. Do not blot out their sins, for they have provoked you to anger here in front of the builders. What a way to pray, huh? Now, let me explain something. That was the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, it's under law. It was all about retaliation. If you broke the law, you had a penalty for the law. Okay? We live under the age of grace. They're called dispensations. The dispensation of the law, the dispensation of grace. We are under grace. All right? So what this means is that we know the law pointed to the cross. We're under the dispensation of grace pointing to the cross, okay? Jesus died on the cross. We have broken the law, but it has been paid for by Jesus Christ. So it is not, you broke the law, therefore you have to pay. You broke the law, therefore Jesus already paid it. 
And that's what I want to invite you to is understand that you have broken the law. Jesus died on the cross. He paid for your sin. He came back to life again for you. And you do not have to retaliate. You go in to pray. And then uh, not only do we come in to pray, and you know, I'll tell you what, I, I would like to pray that way sometimes, wouldn't you? Wouldn't that be kind of cool? Lord, this guy really opposed me. Would you break his leg? You know, don't you want to go there sometimes? You know, sometimes I, I catch myself, oh God, just make his tire go flat on the highway, you know? And you, just, you just start praying this way, and then you're like, ooh, Lord, forgive me, all right? We're not under the law. We're not under retaliation. So understand that when he was praying, he was praying, Lord, may your purpose conquer. And that's how we pray when we have been mocked. Lord, may your purpose conquer here. Whatever it is that you need to do, and my friend who's, who's, who's mocking me, Lord, would you, would you take care of it and do your work? He, uh, he says nothing to his opponents, but everything to God. And I want you to learn that habit. Say nothing to your opponent. You don't have to win a battle. Say nothing to them. Say everything to God. And come before God and give it to them. Because Nehemiah knew over in Deuteronomy 32, 35, that vengeance belongs to the Lord. I don't have to win. I'm already won. I'm already on the winning side. The last thing that he did was he did not quit. He did not quit. Nehemiah gives an update. He says that the wall is halfway built. He did not quit. Could you imagine? Do you know going halfway is the hardest part? It really, really is. Um, You've started a, a, a part of your life right now, and you're looking, you're saying, man, I'm ready to quit already. I signed up to serve, and it was hard. Had an interpersonal relationship. The kids don't like me. It's hard. It's cold on the parking lot. Whatever. They wouldn't take the bolt and I tried to hand them at the door. Okay? It's like, wow, there's a pain. Nothing good happens in your life without that pain. Why? Because we're going against the culture. We're going against your natural. Some of you have seen me lately. I've been down at the Judgment Free Zone, down at Planet Fitness. It's wonderful. They have pizza day once a month. Do you know what that's like for a man of my caliber? Pizza at the health club. They have a bowl of Tootsie Rolls. Tootsie Rolls in a health club. I'm trying to move forward, and they're going to put pizza in front of my face. I'm trying to move forward. Thank God for the massage tables. I just keep coming back, right? But listen, I want you to catch this. As you move forward, there's resistance. Let me tell you the resistance. I went down there. I drove in there to go do my thing. Sweating to the oldies. Or sweating with an oldie, I guess you call me now, right? You know? So I'm like, I'm going down there. I'm doing my thing. I'm like, God, forgive me. This is judgment-free zone, but I know they're all looking at me. I couldn't find a parking space. I was like, thank you, God. I get to go home. And somebody pulled out. And I went in there. My wife starts texting me like two hours later, are you still alive? You know, she's thinking maybe they had to resuscitate me. I don't know. But listen, that is so hard. I've struggled with that for years. And I've quit over and over. And I'm looking at other areas of my life and I said, you know what? I have been taught not to quit. Quitters never win. 
you'll never win. Galatians chapter 6, chapter 6, verse 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest. What's the last word? Read it with me. If we do not give up and quit. If we do not give up. Quitters never win. If you don't show up for the game, you didn't lose. You didn't even get to play. You didn't win. There's no winning when you don't even show up for the game. We've got to show up. Uh, I'll never forget, years ago, I went to uh, Word of Life Bible Institute. And uh, it's, it's brutal. They take you for a year. You leave everything from home. You go up there. You study the Bible in the country. You are like in the woods. Dave, you've been up there, right? He's had a couple kids go through there. They, I'll never forget. These people dropped me off. They were good people from the church. And they, they drove me all the way up. The Richmonds. Remember the Richmonds? They, they drove me all the way up there. I had never been like north of North Hills of Pittsburgh, right? I've never been that far. I go all the way up there. It's like 12 hours. They dropped me off. I'm like, this is weird. Where's the streetlights? Where's the roads? It was like we were in the mountains. And they dropped me off. And I'm in there. They're like, this is going to be the hardest year of your life. You're going to have to study. And I was like, well, I guess that might be hard. I never studied before. Uh, you got, you're going to have to work. We're going to form your character. You're going to counsel kids. We're going to make you work in snow camp. You're going to do all these things. And this guy got up. And I'll never forget, his name was Wendell Calder. And he made us chant, I will not quit. I will not quit. By God's grace, I can do it. I will not quit. I will not quit. By God's grace, I can do it. You know, I was laughing. I was like, these people are crazy. They're all chanting. Like uh, middle of February, I found myself freezing up there. It's like 40 below zero. If, you, if you've lived in the Adirondacks, you know it's crazy up there, right? It's just some of you are from that area. It is really cold up there. Yeah, you can bundle all you want. It don't work. And I remember freezing, walking to class like, I never knew your nose hairs could freeze. It was nuts, right? You know? So you're just walking down. And I remember saying, I will not quit. I will not quit. By God's grace, I can do it. And then I graduated. I did the year there. I did a second year, and I got on, and I come back, and I started building the youth ministry. And you know what? Building youth ministry was hard. I came. There were six kids downstairs. We went in the yellow, what is now the yellow room. We were on the other side, and the pastor would come over and say, hey, be quiet. We're trying to have a prayer meeting over there. I'm like, I got six kids. Let me have fun, you know? And I just remember saying, I will not quit. I will not quit. And God started to birth the movement. God did his work. Hey, you know what? There's days I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to come up. I don't want to go to work. I don't want to go come to church. I mean, you're like that. And, and, I, I, and so it is in my heart. I say this every day now. I will not quit. I will not quit. By God's grace, I can do this. And so there's an area of your life that God is speaking to you about. Maybe it's just being consistent to church. Listen, I will not quit that. I've quit the treadmill a thousand times, but I will not quit church. And you know what? I'm asking God to help me to get that same attitude towards this other area of my life. So now in your area of life, maybe there's something that God's done with you. Maybe he's talking about your marriage right now. It's easy to throw in the towel. Easiest thing to do to your marriage is to walk away. I think you got to go home. You got to say, I will not quit. I will not quit. 
by God's grace, not by my strength, by God's grace, I can do this. I'm not going to talk to my enemy. Maybe it's, maybe it's something at your job. Maybe there's something that it's just hard right now and you're, you're overwhelmed. Maybe it's a financial picture. Maybe there's something you're called to do for our community. God's called you to go feed people that are homeless. I will not quit. I will not quit. By God's grace, I can do it. Would you say that with me this morning? I will not quit. I will not quit. By God's grace, I can do it. Now, this time, I'd like you to say it like you mean it. Okay? Don't just repeat it because you know if you say this, you're going to get out of here. Just say it with me like you're really mad and you're not going to quit. Now, say it with me. I will not quit. I will not quit. By God's grace, I can do it. Don't talk. Don't retaliate. Talk to God about everything. And don't quit. You'll reap the harvest in God's time. Let's close in prayer. What's God talking to you about that you're ready to quit? Maybe it's serving. Maybe there's an area of serving. It just got hard. It was, you're like overwhelmed. It's painful. It's not what you signed up for, is it? You thought it would be happy days. I don't think the cross was too much happy days, but Jesus signed up for it and he kept going. Oh, turn the water into wine was really happy. Healing the lame, helping the sick, helping the poor. Those were really happy times. But when they mocked him, oh, he was ready. He could have quit. But he went to the cross. He set the example for us. What area of your life this morning? Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's relational. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's serving in the church. Maybe you need to re-enlist. What area have you been listening to the lie of the enemy? Satan's been telling you that you're no good. That you can't do anything because you failed ten times before. Well, listen. God says, I am doing a new work in your life. This morning I invite you. So as we close in prayer, I just, I just want to ask you. Will you write down that area today? that God is speaking to you about. Just take a pen. Just reach forward into the, into the thing and take a pen in the next moment here and just write that down. What area is God talking to you about that you are tempted to quit at? You don't have to defend yourself. You've already been defended by Christ. God, thank you. Thank you for who you are. Do your work in a mighty, powerful way. Lord, I pray you'll just help us as we respond to you, Lord. We're so tempted to quit. We're so tempted to quit to be faithful to church. So tempted to, be, to quit to be faithful to serving. So quit quick to be tempted. We want to quit so easily at reading your word. God, would you do your work in a powerful way? Lead us in only the way that you can, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen stand together and be dismissed. Just ask you to greet those around you. God bless you.